following talk is from St. Michael's Fowell, a gospel-centered community for Fowell, Teddington, and beyond. Our passion is to see every life following Jesus. For more information, visit our website, stmichaelsfowell.co.uk. The part of the service where we turn to God's Word now, so we're going to look at the Bible together. In a second, Ed is going to come and bring a talk for us. Before then, Isaac's going to come and read for us from a part of the Bible called 2 Corinthians chapter 8. So uh, it's towards the back end. I'm sure Isaac will be able to tell you exactly the page number. You can turn to that and he'll read for us. Yeah, 1163. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part, but sin to excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Brilliant, Isaac. Thank you ever so much. Uh, Now, a little handout is coming out from... Simon, and um, which will give an outline of where we're going to be going. And I'd just like to draw to your attention another piece of paper that is dotted around. Uh, so we've heard from Nathan, our treasurer, on the, on the screen, and uh, he's also written us a little letter here. Um, so um, if you're a regular here at St. Michael's, do take this away and have a look at it, and uh, that gives you a little bit more uh, um, on top of what uh, Nathan was mentioning today. And if you are um, a guest with us today, uh, if you're visiting us, you're so, so welcome. Uh, If you're looking in on Christian things, you wouldn't say that you're a Christian, but you're looking in on Christian things, um, then I hope whilst you're coming to a Giving Sunday, um, and uh, the encouragement to give doesn't apply to you, Uh, it applies to Uh, church family members here at St. Michael's. I do hope that actually this is a good Sunday to come along because it's a great window into the heart of what Christians believe, uh, particularly of what we believe about God himself, what he's like. And uh, we'll think a little bit about that uh, together in a a few moments' time. So um, I'm going to pray and then we'll have a look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. We're going to do two chapters in less than 20 minutes, okay? So, but let me pray first. We need help to do that. Father, thank you so much for your word that you speak powerfully through your word. And Lord, please uh, teach us, yes, about ourselves, but above all about you, what you're like, who you are, and what it means to to follow you in all our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So this is something we do as a church, uh, as J 
James says, not all the time. Uh, once a year we have a vision Sunday, and that was last Sunday, and then we follow that on with, with a giving Sunday, which is this Sunday. And uh, when we think about our vision, one of the things we talk about as a church is that we want to grow in five characteristics, five cultures we want to grow in as a church. We hope they're recognizable uh, within our church family, but we want to grow in these. So there they are, engaging evangelism, real relationships, deep discipleship, joyful generosity, and wholehearted worship. That's what we long to be our culture as a church. And uh, we're particularly thinking about joyful generosity today. And this morning, I sort of did a bit of a bigger picture of what the Bible has to say about joyful generosity. And this evening, we're zeroing in on these uh, couple of chapters in 2 Corinthians, which are brilliant chapters for uh, seeing what God has to say about um, giving. And here, as you'll see on your handout, I think there are eight principles for uh, giving. Um, And just worth saying, whilst this chapter, and in many ways this talk particularly is speaking about financial giving. Actually, we want to think about generosity in a much broader sense. When we talk about being a church full of joyful generosity, uh, we mean being generous with all that we have, all our resources. So our time, our experience, our knowledge, our gifts, our skills, our prayers, our attitudes, in so many different ways, uh, we can be expressing generosity to one another. Uh, And also, before we start looking at these eight principles, it's worth just recognizing it's not easy talking about this stuff. It's not something we massively do talk about a huge amount. Um, uh, That's not necessarily a bad thing, but there is a cultural uh, thing about being British, I suppose, which um, you're not supposed to talk about money. Uh, I read just the other day the uh, golden rules of a dinner party, three things you're not supposed to talk about. Of course, they are money, religion, and politics. Uh, Those are three no-nos at a dinner party, apparently, still. Um, So it's not a particularly British thing to do to talk about money. Um, There might be good biblical reasons we don't talk a lot about money. The Bible does uh, talk about uh, giving in in secrecy, uh, not sort of flaunting that in front of one another. So uh, that's a good reason why we don't sort of spend all our time over coffee chatting about this sort of thing. And yet... um, Uh, it is still important for us uh, to talk about. And sometimes it's for personal reasons we don't talk about it, because we think, well, it's my money. Uh, I can do what I want with it. It's my business. Um, Hopefully we'll see uh, God's Word has something slightly different to say on it. Last thing before we launch in. You might be thinking, well, I haven't haven't got any money. So um, this is not a talk that's going to be very relevant for me. Maybe uh, you're uh, still at school, and you think, look, I might have a bit of pocket money, um, but I haven't really got proper money. Um, or you're a student, you think, do you know how much debt I'm in here? Um, and I want to say, actually, this is a perfect time in life to be thinking through these things, uh, to be uh, shaping our hearts, uh, which is what this is all about, really, to have be hearts of generosity, hearts after God. And actually, without all the hassle of money, now's a really good time to be sort of thinking it through. So if that's, um, if you're at school, this is a great time to be thinking it through. If we're a parent, uh, bring up our children to be able to think through uh, these things is a really important thing to do. And uh, we might not be able to give much, but as we were hearing in the feature earlier, uh, the widow's might uh, says it's not actually the amount 
that we give that's particularly significant. It's the, the heart uh, with which it's given. Uh, and that is true for, for all of us, uh, however much or little we have. So I think this is relevant uh, for all of us. And here are eight principles for us to be thinking about. Um, so uh, and I, this is good news. This is good news uh, for us, I think, this evening. So principle number one, to be able to give is itself a gift from God. To be able to give is itself a gift from God. And the context of this passage, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, is that Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. And he's trying to get together a collection to take to the church in Judah, in Judea, uh, a church that is really struggling. And what he's referring to, you'll see he talks about the Macedonian churches in verse 1. That's talking about the churches of Philippi, uh, Thessalonica, Berea, uh, churches that Paul visited, Acts 16 uh, to 18. And uh, he refers to their remarkable attitude towards their giving. Uh, he speaks that these are a people, verse 2, who are facing very severe trial, who are facing extreme poverty, and yet they are rich in generosity. Verse 3, they give this amazingly generous gift. gift. Uh, and they even, verse 4, pleaded, urgently pleaded for the privilege of giving. Why? Why did they think it was such an important thing to be able to give? Well, I think they understood that to be able to give is itself a gift from God. Not the receiving of a gift, that's obvious, that's, the rece- that's a gift. But to be able to give is to have a gift. Um, I guess we think in terms of uh, the gift of time. When we receive time, we receive the gift of time, or the gift of a holiday, or the gift of a friendship, or the gift of a job that we enjoy. But Paul says to be able to give is to give. If you don't believe me, have a look at verse 7. Verse 7 says this. Uh, Paul writes, since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. That word grace can equally be translated, it means gift, this gift of giving, this grace of giving. Why is being able to give a gift? for us to have? Well, it helps us to be more human. It helps us to image God better. Uh, By giving, we reorder our hearts and our minds around God to reflect our generous God. We were thinking about that particularly this morning, uh, that we want to give generously because, first, God has been so generous towards us. And to be able to do that makes us more human, makes us more like the people that God wants us to be. And in that, there is great joy. There is great delight. Jesus said uh, these words, it is more blessed to give than receive. More blessed to give than receive. There is more joy in giving than even in receiving. So to be able to give is itself a gift from God. Second, second principle. We give because God first gave Jesus 
to us. This is the other really foundational point. These first two points are really the foundational points. Uh, let me uh, read verse 9, which is a wonderful, wonderful verse. Verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Uh, this is really the story of Jesus Christ in financial terms. So Jesus Christ, what, what, what happens in the story of Jesus Christ? He left the riches of heaven. Think of the riches of heaven, the peace, the security, the joy, the perfection, the happiness. He left that behind to come into our world, the poverty of earth, as it were, the messiness, the dysfunction, the sadness, the insecurity, the hostility, the violence of this world. And that took him to the cross where he died in our place. And he died in our place so that we could receive the riches of heaven, the peace, the security, the perfection, the joy, the happiness of heaven for all eternity. And if we're following the Lord Jesus Christ, that is our experience. That is our story. That is the inheritance that we have received, an inheritance that can never spoil, perish, or fade. And that is what drives us to giving. We receive first from God all of these wonderful riches through Jesus Christ. And we first receive that. And that is why we are to give. And Paul wants to put that front and center, that verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the motivation for our giving. Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty uh, we might become rich. Third, to give means actually to give, not just to intend to give. Let's face it, we've all been there. Best intentions are sometimes hard to follow through. Uh, I don't know about you, there are all sorts of good intentions in life. Uh, maybe there's some books piling up by your bedside, books that you're very keen to read but just not quite getting around there. Maybe you had a brilliant idea for a present for someone but haven't quite got around to giving it. Uh, maybe you sort of thought, I need to get in touch with that person, but then just never quite send the message. Uh, things that you wanted to say to someone that we haven't yet quite managed to say. A thank you note we intended to write, but we haven't yet quite written it. Uh, for me, if you walked into my study at home at the moment, you all just see files everywhere. I've, and they've been there for about six weeks now. I've been attending through this massive filing thing. I just haven't got around to it. Good intentions. Haven't managed to do it. And it's all good. It's a good starting point to have good intentions. But until we've actually done it, the intentions don't really count for much. And Paul knows this. And he's incredibly realistic about it all. He knows that the Corinthians that he's writing to, they have a desire to give. But he says, let your willingness be matched by completion. Have a look at verse 11. Verse 11, this. He says this. Now finish the work that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. 
uh, finish the work. Maybe you've been attending to, to, to give to St. Michael's. I haven't quite got around to it. Well, the encouragement of Paul is finish the work. Uh, maybe there's been some other ministry you really want to give to. Uh, you've intended to, maybe inside or something like that. And he said, I haven't quite got around to it. Paul's encouragement, finish the work. Maybe it's you know, someone you've been wanting to invite around, give hospitality to. I haven't quite got around to it. Paul's encouragement, finish the work. To give means actually to give, not just to intend to. Now, next point, verse 11 is quite an interesting way how it finishes. Did you notice those last four words? According to your means. And that brings us on to the next point. We're to give according to what we have, not what we don't have. We're to give according to what we have, not what we don't have. Let me read on to the next verse, verse 12. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one, what one does not have. I don't know about you, sometimes all this talk about giving, it can feel a bit of a burden and maybe uh, it stirs up anxiety within us. And you might be thinking, look, Ed, I would love to give. I'd love to give loads to this church. I'd love to give loads to all these other ministries. I'd love to give loads to all sorts of different things. But do you know what my finances are like? I can barely cover the mortgage. I've got a whacking credit card bill. Uh, dread the arrival of the next bill, the car insurance bill, whatever it might be. The cost of living is having a big impact. Uh, we all know it's, it's a really tough time. It's been a really tough couple of years. Uh, inflation's been really serious. Well, I hope verse 12 is really liberating for us. Uh, we're told we're to give according to what we have, not what we don't have. God knows our circumstances. He knows our needs. He knows what is, what is uh, needed in our lives. And don't forget, he's a generous God towards us. He's not miserly. He wants us uh, to, to live lives that are able to honour him. And he wants to give generously to us. And so he recognises that. Now I guess for ourselves, it's not always easy really uh, working out what our real circumstances really are. Uh, what do I have to be able to give? Uh, and it's hard to examine our hearts. We need to ask the help of God's Spirit to, to uh, show us uh, uh, and to examine our hearts. We can easily deceive ourselves on these things. But do know the lib liberation uh, that God doesn't expect us to give according to what we don't have but actually according to what we do have. And for some, we'll be able to give a little, and for others, we'll be able to give a lot. And both are great. Both are great. Remember, again, the story of the widow that Johnny told us about. Uh, she gave very little, but she actually gave a huge amount from her heart. And that is a wonderful thing to do. Uh, Paul speaks about this again in, uh, over the page in chapter 9, verse 7. Uh, again, a wonderful verse we'll come back to a couple of times, where he says this, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, 
For God loves a cheerful giver. It's between you and the Lord. Between you and the Lord. Next, we're to give so that everyone has enough. Not too much, not too little. You might still be asking the question, well, but still, how much? How much do I give? Uh, well, we're to give so that everyone has enough, not too much, not too little. That's the principle we see here in chapter 8, verse 13. Let me just read chapter 8, verse 13. Uh, this is what Paul says. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be a quality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. Paul is saying here, look, the church in Judea, they're really struggling at the moment, and you guys in Corinth, you've got a bit spare, so why don't you give from your plenty so that we can support the church in Judea? And who knows, in a few years' time, it might be the complete other way round, but the goal is equality, ensuring that everyone has enough. I don't know about you, I used to be a history teacher, and those words, equality, that makes me think, what does it make you think? Communism. Communism. Does it make you think communism? Maybe not. It doesn't make you think communism at all. Um, uh, particularly some words uh, with, of Karl Marx, from each according to his ability to each according to his need. Uh, there he is, Karl Marx. Um, is Christianity communist? Uh, that was actually a question I heard someone discussing just the other day on a podcast. Is Christianity communist? Uh, no, is the answer. But here's why. Here's why. Because in communism, what you see is actually uh, equality brought about through coercion. Uh, also in communism, what you see is uh, the desire to bring about heaven on earth with God taking out the picture entirely. And there's plenty more one could say about this. But in contrast, what Christianity is, is it's all about uh, voluntary giving. There's, it's not coercive at all. It's about a joyful response to God's generosity to us. Uh, it is willingly giving to others. And actually, uh, further to that, Christianity is not about getting rid of economic diversity. In the New Testament, there are wealthy Christians. It's not about getting rid of economic diversity. What it is about is getting rid of economic need. So the solution of the New Testament is not communism. It's actually, you could say, communion. It's about being a sense of church together. Uh, saying, look, don't be so individualistic about our thinking about our money. But let's use our money to serve and to bless one another. The example that's used in verse 15, have a look at verse 15. Uh, the goal is equality, Paul writes. As it is written, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. And that's actually referring to the story of the Israelites in uh, the desert. Do you remember the story of the Israelites in the desert who had much need, and they were given quail and manna? And they were given it for six days, and then on the Sabbath it wasn't given. And what happened, I mean, I guess the people of Israel, some had just lots more energy and maybe more supple hamstrings and could get down and pick up the manna, um, and others were struggling to do that. But was it the case that those who could do all the hard work just had a huge pile of manna, uh, whereas those who were struggling to do that didn't? Not at all. 
uh, you picked it up and you shared it out so that everyone had more than enough. And that's the picture here of sharing burdens. And that's something I've seen here at St. Michael's and something we want to encourage at St. Michael's. Some are able to give lots to meet the needs of the ministry in this church. Others less so, but that's fine because overall, God provides for all we need. Uh, As a church, we have something called the Relief Fund. We set aside some money within the budget for those who hit particularly difficult financial times. And to encourage you now, if you hit upon particularly difficult times, please do get in touch. Uh, Particularly get in touch with Jenny Eads, who's the church warden who oversees it. And the idea is that we can provide uh, for one another if we hit uh, difficult times. And you're very welcome to, to access that. So we're to give so that everyone has enough, not too much, not too little. Uh, Final three, very, very quickly. We're to be transparent with our giving. Uh, Money can do funny things. Uh, It can easily corrupt, it can easily arouse suspicion, cynicism. Paul knew this, and actually, as he goes on in this chapter, we see that he goes to great lengths at the end of chapter 8 there to show that uh, he's putting uh, transparent arrangements for the collection of this money. Uh, that he's got good people administering it. Uh, Titus is named, there's two other people talked about uh, in there at the end of chapter 8. So they do it well. Uh, If you have a look at verse 20, we read this. Uh, Paul wants to avoid, verse 20 of chapter 8, we want to avoid any criticism of the way we administer this liberal gift, for we are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of man. And that is so important, that we, there's a transparency, which is why we have a day like today, why wonderfully our treasurer, Nathan, uh, uh, gives us a presentation of where we're at, uh, we're, why we want to write letters to the church family, why uh, we have a PCC to scrutinise, we have a finance committee to scrutinise our finances. Uh, you're welcome at any time to speak to, to Nathan or Josh, the assistant treasurer, um, or, or any member of the PCC, because there needs to be a transparency and, and good management. This is just important. Seven, we're to be prepared for our giving. I don't know if you ever had that feeling of being unprepared. Anyone ever felt unprepared for something before? It's a horrible feeling, isn't it? But quite a regular feeling, I guess. Uh, homework, not quite done in time. Uh, going into a test and you just haven't quite done your revision, and maybe at your work you've got to give a briefing, it's just not quite ready, maybe people coming around and the food's not ready and the house is an absolute mess. It's a horrible feeling. And Paul uh, actually spends much of chapter 9 here uh, encouraging the Corinthians to be ready, to be ready. Uh, verses 1 to 5 really goes into that of chapter to 9. It's all about getting ready, getting prepared. And it takes us again to that verse, chapter 9, verse 7. He says this, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. In other words, look, take some time out and think about this. We don't want any pressure on this. Uh, Think it through. Pray about it. Uh, Prepare. Prepare well. Think about it. And I think that's just such helpful advice. Uh, And that's our encouragement to each of us, uh, to to spend some time praying about, thinking about our giving. Um, A couple of times a year, we sort of particularly flag it up in our life as a church, and uh, because we want to sort of give it thought, 
and prayerfulness uh, without the sort of pressure of immediacy or anything like that. Finally, crucially, we're to be cheerful in our giving. God loves a cheerful giver. Do you see that there at the end of verse 7 of chapter 9? For God loves a cheerful giver. Giving is a joy. We know that. Nail the Christmas present. No doubt you'll do that in the next couple of months. You'll get a present. You're just, yes, this is the right one. And isn't it so exciting to be able to give that present and to see the joy? Uh, Give someone a wonderful experience. It's such a joy. Even buying someone a drink. There's a joy in that, isn't there? Giving is a joy. And the encouragement here of uh, these words of Paul in 2 Corinthians, the encouragement of the whole Bible is for us to know the joy of being generous. Because we know the joy of receiving the generosity of God. God is joyfully generous to us. And that's to spur on our joyful generosity in all of life. Yes, with our finance, but also with our time, our skills, our knowledge, all that we have, all the resources we have, our prayers, our attitudes towards one another. Well, let's... um, just take a moment. I wonder if the band might come up and we're going to close by singing. And uh, what is so crucial in all of this is to keep coming back to God. Keep coming back to him and knowing who he is, what his character is like. We want to, we want to follow Jesus. We want to be like him. And in fact, to be like him is to be more fully human. And in that, there is great joy. So, Uh, Let's turn our hearts, our minds to him now. Why don't we stand? Uh, Let's just take a moment of of quiet. And uh, allow the reality, the nature, the character of who God is just to fill our hearts, fill our minds. And then we'll turn that into praise. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, He became poor so that you, through his poverty, might become rich.